Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, Manuel Church, good morning. How are you doing today? How's everybody feeling this morning? Thank you so much for coming out. I greatly appreciate it. Welcome to Emmanuel. My name is Cody Johnson. I'm the campus pastor here at our Emmanuel Church Greenwood campus. I know we got folks joining us online and all of our multi-sites at Banta, Franklin, Garfield Park, Seymour, all of our e-microsites. Man, thank you so much for joining us today. If you've been with us for a while, you've been with us a few times, welcome back. It's good to see all of you. And if you are brand new, thank you for accepting somebody's invitation. Can we give it up for anybody that might be new, might be a little nervous or apprehensive today? I want to make them feel welcome. That's important. Now, before we get into the message today, I do have something that I want to share with all of you. And it's, it's a little bit difficult to share, but it's kind of building on what Pastor Matt Scobell shared last week at the beginning of service. Last week, we talked about some of the damage that was done down in Florida from Hurricane Ian. And today, we want to share with you that there has been quite a bit of damage done in Nicaragua due to Hurricane Julia. For some of you that are unaware, we have four global partners in Haiti, Rwanda, Colombia, and Nicaragua. And one of our global partners is an organization called Hope Road Nicaragua, and they are dedicated to helping and serving churches in Nicaragua. There are 24 churches that Hope Road serves, and eight of the 24 have faced heavy destruction as a result of Hurricane Julia. And when I say heavy destruction, I mean picture a building or a home, uh, the roof of that home removed like a can opener would do the top of a can. Like just massive amounts of destruction. So what we would ask for you to do as a church humbly is please to pray for them, pray for their safety, pray for them to stay together and to not lose faith and to not lose hope. But we also wanna let you know what we are doing as a church and what your generosity is doing. Because I know sometimes people think, oh, I just show up and, and I give and I don't even really know what it does. Here's what it's doing. Because of your generosity, we're going to be able to allow God to work through that generosity and we are going to send $20,000 of relief and resources down to Nicaragua so that Hope Road can disperse it and use it to build up these churches and help build up these communities because for a lot of these communities, poverty is very real. And they go to these churches not only for hope, but they go to them for resources and aid and assistance. So that is what God is going to be doing through your generosity. We wanted to let you know that that is what was happening. Can we give God glory for that, please? So if you are generous, thank you so much for your generosity. Really, it, it makes such a massive difference. And what I would ask now across all of our campuses, e-microsites, anybody joining us online, if you would join me as we pray for those affected by Hurricane Julia, will you join me? God, right now we come to you and we wanna lift up the people who have been affected by these massive storms. We know that there are probably individuals, there are probably families in those communities in Nicaragua that are scared they are uncertain about the future. They're uncertain about how to pick up the pieces and move forward. But we want you to wrap your arms around them so tightly and let them know that even though things might be dark right now, it is only temporary. It is not permanent because you hold them in your hands. You are their refuge. 
You are their strength. You are their fortress. They can come to you. Even in their own uncertainty, if they don't know what their next steps are, they can come to you. God, we thank you for the ability to serve. We thank you for the ability to send resources in your name to these people. And we hope that it helps. We hope that it supports them. And we hope that it gives them just a little bit of hope moving forward. It is in your name we pray and we express all the gratitude in the world. And we all said, amen. Thank you very much. We greatly appreciate that. Thank you. Now, we are in the middle of a series called Traveling Light. And the whole idea of this series, we're in week number three, by the way, in case you're just kind of catching up. The whole idea of this series, there was a book written by a guy named Max Lucado. And the idea of this message and the idea of this book was that you and I are traveling on this long journey, this long race that we are running. And we are carrying some things that are necessary, but we're also carrying a lot of things that we weren't designed to carry. And there's been a verse that we've been utilizing the entire time. It's from Hebrews. I want to kind of go over that with you real quick, especially if you're just kind of catching up a little bit. In Hebrews 41, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders to the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So we talked about worry in week number one. I know that's a big thing for us to travel with. A lot of us travel around with worry. We carry that with us everywhere that we go. Pastor Danny talked about some strategies to leave some of that worry behind, which is very important. You can go back and check that out on YouTube if you missed that. Then last week, Pastor Matt Scobell talked to us about bitterness. I know some of you have difficulties forgiving people in your lives, which is a tough thing to do, especially if you've been burned or if you've been hurt by actions or words of other people. But Pastor Matt Scobell shared some amazing information, some amazing knowledge about how you can forgive people. But this week, we're gonna be talking about something a little bit different. But I think it might be something that affects all of us in some way, shape, or form, something that causes some stress or anxiety for a lot of us. This week, we're going to be talking about insecurity. Spicy, spicy. So what is insecurity? What is the definition of insecurity? Because it might be different for you. We, have, we all have different things that cause us to be insecure, but to lack confidence or trust, whether in ourselves or someone else, and that someone else, namely for us, would be God. To lack confidence or trust. We look to other things to give us security. We look to other things to make us feel whole. We don't believe in ourselves. We don't have confidence in ourselves. We are constantly comparing ourselves to other people and worrying what people might be thinking of us. But what are we insecure about? What are the things that keep us up at night? What are the things that cause us to be a little stressed out when we go to the family functions for Thanksgiving, or we walk into that new job interview, or when we get that promotion, or when we're trying to date a little bit? What are the things that cause us to be insecure? I could fill this luggage from here to the ceiling and it still wouldn't be enough about all the things that cause us to be insecure. So I thought I would start with a fun one. And this was kind of fun at the first service. Body image. Is anybody here insecure about their body image? Like two hands went up because you're all insecure about your body image. <laughs> and that's normal. That's totally normal. There are a lot of people who are insecure about their body image. I was talking to two female staff members that I trust an awful lot. And I said, okay, so from the female perspective, why are women insecure about their bodies? And they shared some really amazing info. They said, because the measurement and the measuring stick is constantly moving. Because as a woman, you're supposed to be skinny, but you're also supposed to be curvy. You're supposed to be feminine, but you're also supposed to be strong and work out. You're supposed to be toned, but not too toned so that you don't look like a bodybuilder and you don't look jacked right? All very important for a woman. 
And for a man, I was thinking about the same thing, and that's kind of true for men as well, right? Because a while ago, it was really important for men to be slim and toned and have a six-pack. And then the dad bod thing came out, and now it's not as important to be as ripped, and you want to have kind of a dad bod. You want to look a little bit less toned and ripped. But then if you look on Instagram now, everybody looks like they're doing steroids, and all they do is lift weights. So what is it? Where am I supposed to have my security with my body image? It can be very confusing. Ooh, this is a good one. Money. Anybody here insecure about their money today and their possessions that you have, looking to other people and measuring yourself about, oh man, well, they have, they're, they're my age and they have like a six bedroom house and I only have a two bedroom house. What's wrong with me? Do I not make enough money? Man, they have a really, really nice Jeep Wagoneer and I'm still rolling in a Nissan Cube. Is that a problem? <laughs> Should I be concerned? What do they think of what I'm driving? Money's a big one. Our abilities, our abilities. Am I, am I good enough? Am I complete enough? Am I professional enough? When I speak, do I sound sophisticated enough? And especially coming to church, am I Christian enough to belong here? Or do people think I'm out of pocket, like I shouldn't even walk in the building? That's tough, especially for people who are new, feeling like they belong Kids, people are insecure about their kids. You are always comparing your kids to other people's kids, even if you don't want to admit it. Like, especially if your kids are young. Oh man, my kid doesn't have the NWEA scores that that other kid has. Did I not read to them enough when they were young? Are your kids are real, or you have other kids that you're friends with in your own little circle, and this other kid that you see is really good at football, and they're like three or four years old, and your kid comes home, and they got mulch in their teeth. <laughs> Where did I go wrong? And sometimes we project our own insecurities on our kids, which we'll talk about in just a little while. Our job, massive source of insecurity for a lot of us. Massive source of insecurity. How many of you are familiar with this idea of imposter syndrome? So you think you're always gonna be found out. Somebody's gonna walk in there, they're gonna knock on that door and say, we finally figured out you're not good enough. We made the wrong hire. You really don't have the skill set that we thought you did. Why don't you pack up your box and why don't you go outside? A lot of us struggle with that because we never think we're good enough at work. I think they're always gonna find out that we haven't known our computer password for the past eight weeks. <laughs> and this last one, this is tough, relationships. Man, this is really tough. Relationships are hard even if you're single, if you're married, if you're dating, it doesn't matter. Because if you're single, and you're dating online or if you're trying to meet somebody, what are you constantly thinking? Man, I hope I'm, I hope I'm what they're looking for. I hope I'm enough. I hope I'm attractive enough for this person. And then if you're married, you always wanna be the better half. You wanna complete the other person. You put all that responsibility on your shoulders. Man, that's tough. That's a lot to think about. That's a lot to carry in this luggage, this raggedy luggage that is held together by tape. It's a lot to carry and it's a lot to, to process and it's a lot to travel with from week to week. Ooh, it's got a handle. We're gonna put you right here for a second. But what causes insecurity? So we talked about different things that we struggle with, but what is the root cause of it? And that might be different for you and me if you asked, if we did a poll of the room, a poll of anybody at all of our other campuses and microsites and e-microsites and online. But I think the root of our insecurity comes from us asking two questions to ourselves over and over and over again, every single day without any relief. I think these are the questions. What will they think of me? Am I fill in the blank enough? And that blank is for you today. You can fill in whatever you want. What will they think of me? 
If I show up to this job, if I show up to this family function and I'm single and I know my mom's going to ask me why I'm not dating anyone yet, what are they going to think of me? All my siblings are dating people. All my siblings have kids. I'm still single. What's the problem with me? Am I enough? Am I strong enough? Am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Am I intelligent enough to do what God has placed in front of me? Am I enough? But who is insecure? I would argue that 99% of people are, about, are insecure about something, but I think we get this wrong in our head that if, as we compare ourselves to other people, we think if I just had more money, if I just had more status, if I was more famous, if I had better cars, a better home, if I had more intelligence, more degrees, then I would feel secure. That would make me feel whole. That would make me feel complete. But I don't think that's accurate. And to illuminate that point, I would like to play a game. And I would like all of you to participate across all of our campuses, online, e-microsites. You can all join. And here's the best part. You stand to win a pretty compelling prize. An all-access free pass to any Emmanuel Church service of your choice. <laughs> I can assure you at Greenwood and online, we have three options all over our campuses. We have two, but all expenses paid on me to you. Thank you very much for participating. Here's the game. I'm going to say a quote, and I want you to guess who said it. And hopefully it'll illuminate this idea, this misconception about who exactly is insecure in our lives. So here's the first quote. We're gonna kind of rip through this pretty quick. I've never lived a life where people told me, oh, you're just so good looking. Who do you think said that? Who's coming to your mind right now? Feel free to shout it out. You can be rude in church today. You can yell. Any guesses, anybody across all of our campuses? You think of anybody? Would it surprise you to know that Bradley Cooper said that? I've never lived a life where people have said, oh, you're so good looking. It is a shame that God did not bless him with better looks. It really is. Please keep Bradley in your prayers this evening. I mean, you look, you look at the suit, you look at the blue eyes, the perfect amount of stubble. You would think this guy's supremely confident. He's not. Let's go to the next one. I was insecure about my skin. This is a woman, very famous, and she has a cat named Kitty Purry. That's your hint. Katy Perry, that's right. Katy Perry, massively insecure about her skin. Did you know that roughly 70, seven to eight years ago, she was named the spokesperson for CoverGirl? And she's a brand ambassador for proactive skincare, insecure about her skin. It's glowing in this image. Massively insecure about her skin. Let's go to the next one. I feel like an overweight, pimply-faced kid most of the time. What image comes to your mind when you hear that? Taylor Swift, no. Good guess at the Greenwood campus. We got Taylor Swift. It's actually not Taylor Swift. It's a man named Ryan Reynolds. I feel like an overweight, pimply-faced kid most of the time. I think he might be off there a little bit. One of the most famous people in the world. He's all over the Wrexham documentary right now on Hulu. You can watch it about the soccer club. He's been in Marvel movies. Everybody knows who this guy is. Still insecure about his body. Let's go to the next one. This lady I put on a massive pedestal. She says, there are days when I feel joyous, but I also feel afraid and insecure. She's an actress, very famous, very talented. Who do you think it is? Would you be interested to know that it was Sandra Bullock who feels afraid and insecure? Academy Award-winning Sandra Bullock from 2010 for her role in The Blind Side. If I'm an actress, if I got money, if I got status, I'll be completely secure. Uh. Last one, this is kind of a bonus. Blew me away. This man is insecure about his upper lip. He's insecure about his facial hair. He was insecure about his awkward teenage phase and he was insecure about his singleness, his inability to find a partner for a really long time. Who do you think this is across all of our campuses? Yell it out, who do you think? Cody Johnson. 
Joaquin Phoenix, no, I heard Cody Johnson, how dare you. I happen to think I have a great upper lip. Idris Elba, insecure about his facial hair, upper lip, singleness, dating, all that stuff. But I thought if I was rich, I thought if I had money, I thought if I was slotted to be potentially the next James Bond, I would have it all. No. What's also interesting about the three guys that I showed up here, Bradley Cooper, Ryan Reynolds, and Idris Elba, is that at one time or another throughout their careers, People Magazine has named them sexiest man alive. And they're still insecure. How about that? But this is now. This is humanly speaking. What about the Bible? Are there any instances of insecurity in the Bible? Absolutely. How much time do you have? Because there are many examples of the Bible in the Bible, starting in Exodus with Moses about people who were massively insecure. Do you remember Moses' insecurity coming out on full display when God appeared to him in the burning bush? And he gave him this calling on his life. He says, now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Let's stop right there. Let's go back one. There we go, perfect. God appears in a bush and tells Moses, I want you to lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I want you to lead them to freedom. It's an amazing opportunity, amazing calling on his life. He's telling Moses, I believe that you can go toe-to-toe with Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world, and lead my people out of Egypt. And Moses responds with this. Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people Israel out of Egypt? What are they going to think of me? I just came from there. I'm a murderer. I murdered an overseer. They know exactly who I am and exactly how capable I am not to do this. What will they think of me, God? In Judges chapter 6, we hear about Gideon, an Israelite who God comes to with an amazing proposition as well. And what you need to know about Gideon and the Israelites at that time in Judges is that they were under severe rule from the Midianites. The Israelites at that time had done something awful in the sight of God, so God turned them over to the Midianites. And the Midianites were savages, incredibly cruel people. So cruel, in fact, that they caused the Israelites to flee to the mountains and the hills to escape their cruelty for seven years. So God sees this from his people. He sees this and he appoints Gideon as judge over his people. Look at what he says to Gideon. Then the Lord turned him and says, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you, pause, I am sending you. That's a pretty emphatic calling on your life, right? Especially if that's coming from God, you would think that would instill a little bit of confidence. But look at how Gideon responds. But Lord, that infamous but, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh and I am the least in my entire family. I come from a family of bums and I am the biggest bum of all. What are they gonna think of me if you trot me out there to save them? Am I good enough? Am I strong enough? Am I capable enough? And then the last one, this one might be my favorite. This is from Jeremiah in chapter one. Jeremiah is a prophet and God comes to him in a vision. He gives him this massive calling. I wanna read this and I'm gonna share with you Jeremiah's response. The Lord gave me, Jeremiah, a message. He said, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my spokesman to the world. What a calling. Before you were born, I appointed you. I set you aside because I think you are special. I think you have something inside of you. What kind of confidence would that instill in you if God came to you and told you that? You'd think, man, I feel pretty good. Now, Jeremiah, listen to how Jeremiah responds. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. 
even though you appointed me, even though you set me aside, I'm too young. I don't think I can do it. Those insecurities are awful. And here's the problem with insecurities. I think a big part of insecurity and the big issue with it is that if we do not leave our insecurity behind, if we don't keep insecurity in its proper place and we keep it right over there, aside, away, and we don't carry it with us all the time, I think we're going to miss out on a massive calling that God is putting on our lives. Opportunities that we're gonna pass up, we're gonna miss. Maybe opportunities to serve people and love people in a big, special way. But here's another thing. And I'm gonna talk to the fellas here for a second. As I was reading and as I was researching, as I was watching YouTube videos and reading the Bible and reading some books and watching TED Talks about insecurity, it struck me that a lot of these materials were composed, presented, or written by women. Seems that women are very comfortable sharing their insecurities and are very vulnerable with their insecurities, which I really appreciate because I learned a lot, which was great. To the guys, I guess I would ask, why is it such a problem for us as men to talk or share or engage with our own insecurities? A statistic that might frighten you a little bit and it kind of frightened me is that 75% of all deaths by suicide in America are male. And 84 men a week will die by suicide. That's shocking. Because I think sometimes as guys, we put our masculinity on a higher pedestal than we do being able to be vulnerable and talk about our insecurities. So if you're a guy here today, hopefully this talk and this message will inspire you to not keep all of that locked in. And maybe you can open up about that. Maybe. You don't have to. It's an opportunity. But I think if we do get this right, and I think if we are able to keep insecurity in its proper place and we can kind of leave it over there and not travel with it all over, I think this could be a beautiful thing because I think it would enrich our relationship with God. I think it would help us to see the world in a more healthy way. And I think it would be a positive experience. But how do I leave behind insecurity? How do I practically do that? I think the first step is we need to identify the idol. Identify the idol. Now, I know what you might be thinking. Brother, pastor, brother, pastor. <laughs> We're talking about insecurity. You just brought up idol and idolatry, which seems different. It doesn't seem like these two things would connect. And I would agree with you until I saw the definition of idolatry. Let's look at it. The worship of someone or something other than God as though it were God. So I have a question for you based on this definition. Have you made yourself an idol Have you made yourself the object of all of your thoughts and all of your feelings? Do you spend more time in praying to God or do you spend more time going over how insecure you are in light of everybody else's actions and thoughts and words and feelings? Do you spend more time thinking about what other people will think of you or do you spend more time thinking about what other people think? Because those are two very different things. Think back to the two questions we were asking earlier. What will people think of me? Am I good enough? A lot of times when you ask people about their insecurities, it's like, oh no, it's, no, I really am just so concerned about what other people think. Are you concerned about what other people are going through and what they're feeling and what they're struggling with? Or are you concerned about how other people perceive you? Because that's, that's self-idolatry and that's something that we need to deal with. And in her book, Free of Me, Sharon Miller talks about this. It's called Free of Me, Why Life is Better When It's Not About You. Sharon Miller is a PhD. She helps 
speak at a church occasionally in North Carolina. She's got tons of different resources online. This book is wonderful. Based on the fall measuring scale out of 10 pumpkins, it's a solid nine pumpkin book. It's really good. I would encourage you to read it. Really, really good. She had an amazing quote about this self-idolatry. Check this out real quick. She says, for many of us, the problem is not that we think poorly about ourselves. The problem is we can't stop thinking about ourselves. All this talk about self-esteem and being our truest and best selves has turned the world into one giant mirror pointing back at us. We take everything that people say, everything that people do, everything that people buy, and we make it about us. That is self-idolatry. And that is something that we need to leave in the luggage and we need to leave aside because that is not from us, that, or that is not from God, that's from us. Listen to what it says in 1 John 2.16. It says, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. Let's hold right here. Let's go back real, real quick. Everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. Isn't this part of insecurity? Everything that we see, all the things that we see online, all the things that we see on Instagram that other families have that we don't have and how it makes us feel about ourselves, pride in our achievements and our possessions. If I can do this, if I can get this degree, if I can get this job, then I'll be good enough. Look at the very next sentence. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. That's why you can never hit the mark. One, because you're not designed to be constantly consumed with yourself. But two, these measuring sticks that the world gives you, it's constantly changing. In 2006, there was nothing cooler than owning a Hummer. Then a few years later, you wanted to be environmentally conscious, then you needed a Prius. And now there's nothing cooler than having a Jeep Wagoneer or a Tesla. It doesn't end and it doesn't stop. The sand will not stop shifting for you. It's because you're focusing on yourself when you should be focusing on a couple of things that will make your life and will make your luggage a whole lot lighter. And the first thing I would tell you to do is I would tell you to focus on God. If we're going to leave this idolatry behind, this idolatry of self, and we're going to have a healthier conception of where our focus should be and what we should be carrying from day to day, we need to focus on God. And I wanna say something to you today, everybody that's joining us, I wanna say this to all of you. And to some of you, you might disagree internally, you might push back a little bit, or on the flip side, man, this might feel like a thousand pounds have been relieved from your shoulders. Here's what I would say. You are not enough and God doesn't need you to be. You are 100% not enough. Do we have any people pleasers in the room today? How's that going for you? It's not possible. You're never gonna please everyone. As a mom, you're never gonna be enough for your kids. You're never gonna be enough for your husband. As a spouse, you're never gonna be enough for that person God has placed in front of you, which is why Jerry Maguire drives me so nuts. You remember that movie with Tom Cruise? Drives me absolutely up the wall. You know why? Because Jerry, Tommy, Tom Cruise, Tommy, we're on that kind of first name, but hey, Tommy, we're not, we're not like friends. So Tom Cruise looks at Renee Zellweger and he says, oh, you complete me. No, she doesn't. No, because you're not designed to be enough for anyone. You will never fill that void in someone else's life because that's not the design of how God and us are supposed to work together. We think we have to be so strong for ourselves and so perfect for everybody else. That's not it. And we see an example of this in 2 Corinthians when, when Paul is talking about this thorn that he has in his side and it's tormenting him and he goes to God to take it away and listen to what God tells him. He says, my grace is all you need. 
My power works best in weakness. And that's what Moses and Gideon and Jeremiah, they didn't get. They didn't understand that. They had no concept because they thought it was all about them and their abilities and their strength and what they could do, right? That's why they all bucked up when God came to them and it was, oh, I can't do that. Do you know what God said to them? Here's what he didn't say. He did not say, you know what, Moses, you're right. You do need some more leadership training. I'm gonna enroll you in a masterclass on YouTube. I'm gonna pay that subscription for you. I'm gonna take care of that. Gideon, I know that your family's not the best. We're gonna hook you up with a positive business mentor. Jeremiah, I know that your speaking is not up to snuff. We're gonna enroll you in a speaking class at a local community college. I think it'll really help. He didn't say that to any of them. You know what he said? He said the exact same thing to all three gentlemen. He said, I will be with you. I will be with you. I know that on paper, you don't make any sense. I know that on paper, you are deficient. I know that you are probably not from the family that I should have summoned and I should have gone to to lead the people for, to freedom from the Midianites. I know that you're young. I get it. I don't need you to be complete because I complete you. That is what these human beings didn't understand. That's what we don't understand about God. We think we have to have it all together and we have to be enough and we have to be perfect and we have to have the perfect job and we have to have the cars, we have to have the homes and the status and we have to find that right person and they will make us whole. God makes us whole. That is why in scripture, if you dive in, if you spend any time in the Psalms, it said God is our strength, our refuge, our rock, our fortress. He is our source of safety and security, not us, not each other. You're pretty strong on your own, but man, once you realize that God fills that hole in your life that we keep trying to fill with Jeep wagon ears and money, man, it, your life will be different and it will allow you to focus on the last thing we're gonna talk about today. And this is the true calling for your life because after you focus on God and you get that security in him and you can go to him as your, for, your fortress, then you can focus on others. Focus on others. Now, once you, I'm not gonna lie to you, once you've focused on God and once you've started to focus on other people, there are still going to be times when those pangs of insecurity pop up and you're gonna have to deal with them. You're a human being, that's just normal. There are times when I get insecure. We'll talk about that in a second. But there are always opportunities that that's gonna happen. But Sharon Miller in her book, Free of Us, gave us a really great tool and a really great idea. She said, there's a question that we need to ask and it's this. When insecurity strikes, the question we must ask ourselves is how can I turn this into love? This question opens our eyes to the people we might have previously overlooked and it prepares our hearts to care for them. Let's stop here. That's good. That's so good and it's so true because think about what happens when you get insecure or if somebody comes to you and they say, hey man, you should, you should reach out to this girl. You should go on a date with her or hey, you should apply for this job. I think it would really fit your skill set. What do you do physically or what do you see other people do? Oh, no, 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 no. I couldn't possibly do no. We all go, We all go in and we all go down because that's where we're comfortable. It's like we, we go into this little turtle shell where nothing can hurt us. But once you start to focus on God and you're solidified in his love and his security in your life, then you can stand up a little bit and instead of going down and in, I can look out and up. And once I can start looking out and up, then I can start considering the people that I overlooked before. Like if you're an impact team member today and a lady walks in and she's got two kids with her and her eyes are bloodshot in the red because she's been crying because she got invited to church, but she's so stressed out by this whole idea that she can't even find the bathroom, let alone where to check her kids in. 
If I'm down and in because I don't think I'm a good enough Christian to be able to pass out the notes, then I'm gonna miss her. But if I have God's strength in my life and I don't expect myself to be perfect or whole or enough for anyone, I can look up and I can say, oh my gosh, you doing okay? You need some coffee? Are you a Cowboys fan? I can pray for you if, that's, if you're really struggling with that. We can look out and we can look up and we can focus on other people, which is the greatest calling in your life. It's in Matthew 22, as Jesus was talking to his disciples, he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. First and greatest commandment, that's true. That's the focus on God. What's part two? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the focus on God piece. And I'll tell you, this stuff works. It really does. And I know it works because I've experienced it. I've experienced what it feels like to be the object of the love of a person who also struggles with their own insecurities, someone who decides to focus on others instead of themselves. Because I grew up with my dad. I grew up with Scott Johnson. That's my dad. My dad grew up and he raised a home full of boys, no girls in our house. And my dad not only was a great father, but he was a great coach. And he coached a lot of us, whether it was football, baseball, basketball, although we were a disaster at basketball. He coached us at wrestling most of all. And the one thing he never did was he never projected his own insecurities on us. And a lot of parents do this. Like you'll see parents talk to their kids and they'll say, don't make a fool out of me. We paid a lot of money to come to this tournament. Don't embarrass me. You need to beat this guy by 10 points. Anything less, walk home. Right? A lot of parents will do that. A lot of parents will treat their kids like that because they're so insecure about what other parents, what other people think about them, but that was not my dad. My dad took a very different approach. And I know a lot of you at the other campuses, you don't know this, but my dad is actually here this weekend. I'm not gonna point him out because I don't want to embarrass him a little bit. Maybe I will a little bit, I don't know. <laughs> Do you remember what you would do? You remember, because I'll, I'll tell you what I would do. I would start to pace when I was getting ready for the match. I would go back and forth and just kind of walk like this, remember? And a lot of times from the outset, it would look like, oh, he's just getting ready. He's just getting jacked up. Leave him alone. Don't talk to him. Partially that was true. But the other side of that is you're always going over this massive list of insecurities that are in your head. Am I gonna be strong enough? Am I gonna be fast enough? Am I gonna be good enough? Am I gonna be technical enough? Am I gonna be intense enough when I get out there? What if I lose? What if I disappoint the team? What if I disappoint the coach? What if I disappoint my mom? What if I let my dad down? Am I going to be enough? And so then it would come time. It would come time to go do what you would train to do. And it was time to go, right? You gotta to go to the check-in table. You gotta let them know your name. You gotta, it's time to roll. And my dad would just kind of sit back here with his arms crossed. Most of the time he'd have his, the clothes from our warm-up, our sweaty clothes draped over his shoulder. And he'd just stand there and he would just be present. And he was, as he would always walk out there, he would always call to us. He would always say, hey, come here. You remember what you said? He would say, have fun and I love you. I think about that every day. You 
you probably didn't know that telling an overweight eight-year-old kid that you love them would have the impact that it would. That at 35 years old, they would think about that love every single time that they felt insecure, every single time that they would have to come up here and talk about God in front of a room full of people. It meant everything. Now, to be fair, there were times when my dad would say, rip his head off. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, if we're going to leave behind this insecurity, if we're going to keep it in its proper place as we're traveling, we're doing life with our families and our friends, when times get tough and when times get lean and there are good days and bad days, your ability to leave behind insecurity is all based on how you can answer this next question. Will you focus on God and others? I think a lot of us have a predisposition for a little bit of self-idolatry. We look in, what's the world gonna think of me? Am I gonna be enough for other people? Man, that's gonna leave you broke with your body image issues, especially if you're going from dad bod to super jack, you might end up in the hospital. But it's never gonna fulfill because that's not where our focus should be. If we can focus on God for our strength and God to make us whole and for God to make us think that we are enough, it allows us to focus on other people, people we might've missed. And we can love the world the way that God loves us. And man, that's the whole ball game. It's the greatest commandment, loving God and loving other people. If you're new with us today, you're like, man, what's the big takeaway? It's that. Love God with everything inside of you. Start to learn about him. Start to learn about his character, his will, his affections, and start to trust him and then love other people along the way. Because what's crazy is that as much as my dad loves me, it is a grain of sand on an endless beach when it comes to how God loves each and every single one of us. God was willing to allow his perfect son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for me, for you, for each and every single one of us. He allowed that to happen for love. He loved me and he loved you so much that he thought, you know what? This is the way that I will express that love so that they don't have to spend an eternity apart from me. And Jesus fulfilled that for each and every single one of us. He would die on a cross. He would give his life willingly, forfeiting all of the powers, the divine strength that he had so that he could die for all of us, so that we could feel that love. And as if that weren't enough, not only did he die for us, he rose from the grave three days later, conquering not only sin from all of us, but death. And if you want to follow him today, if you want to be his child, all you need to do is cry out to him. I'm going to say a simple prayer. You pray it straight to Jesus. You take these words I'm about to say, make them your own. And if you've already prayed that prayer today, then what I would beg you to do is pray for the person to your left or your right, because they might be making the most important decision of their life. Will you pray with me? You can say, Jesus, I come to you today massively insecure. I've relied on myself. I've looked to myself. Today, today, Jesus, I want to look to you. I trust that you died for me on a cross. I trust that your death covers the penalty for my sins. I trust that you rose from the grave 
conquering sin and death. Jesus, wash me, cleanse me, show me what it means to be your child and forgive me today. It is in your name I humbly pray and we all said, amen. If you just prayed that prayer as a church, we wanna celebrate with you. Can we give it up and can we celebrate? If you just prayed that prayer, we want to hook you up with a gift and all you need to do is send us a message. If you're at any of the physical locations, all you need to do is text the word SAVE to 65248. Go to your info desk at your locations and we will hook you up with this box. It's our SAVE box. If you're online, drop us a comment below and we will find you. We will not find you, that sounds creepy. We will send one of these to wherever you are located and then we will get this in your hands. It's a saved box. It's got a New Believers New Testament Bible in it. A coffee mug is our way of saying congratulations and some next steps on how you can better get connected with Christ. One more time for what God is doing in our church. Can we give it up, please? Thank you guys so much for coming out. We really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us online or our e-microsites. At this time, I would love to pray for all of us and then we will kick it to the local teams. Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much for giving us a path to overcome insecurity. Thank you for allowing us to be a little vulnerable today. Thank you for allowing us to come together and gather as a church. I pray that everyone can walk out of here with a renewed focus on you and a renewed focus on others. We love you so much, God. It's in your name we humbly pray and we all said, amen. At this time, we're gonna kick it to the local teams. Thank you.